You're listening to The Big Show with Patrick Dumas on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. There we go. Damn wrong mics. We had them all confused. Hi. Welcome to the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Worried about radon? We install custom mitigation systems to reduce your risk. To find out more, visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. We go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Park guest hotline. We're joined by Ryan Dixon, senior columnist over at sportsnet.ca. Ryan, uh, lots has happened since the last time we spoke. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, let's start with uh, with the local hockey team here in Calgary. Elias Lindholm uh, set to make his Vancouver Canuck debut uh, for the Canucks in, in Carolina as well. But the Flames getting Andre Kuzmenko in that trade. He'll make his debut in Boston tonight for the Flames. On the outset, love the return for Calgary. And Vancouver's obviously getting somebody who can help uh, solidify that second-line center position for them going forward. How do you like – How what's your, your read on this trade? Um, it definitely feels like a win on both sides, as is, you know, sort of often the case at this point, because, you know, even in the case of, if, if you look at it from the Vancouver perspective, you gave up a fair bit, but it's just great that they're adding a player of Lindholm's caliber and pedigree and just signaling to the fans even more. So we're going for it. We are all in and we'll, we will pay the toll to get the players we need uh, that we believe could help us go far in the playoffs. So, uh, I think it's it's a, a nice move for Vancouver. And, you know, what I like about it for Calgary, and maybe it's easy to say as Sharon Govich has been playing the way he has recently, but, you know, I like that it's a little bit of this and a little bit of that trade the way the one with the Devils was in that, yes, you're getting some futures. And obviously in this one, a, a first-round pick and a, and a prospect that's, you know, more than a little intriguing, but also you're getting a guy in Kuzmenko who you're looking at saying, well, let's see what we got here. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's give this a, a year and a half rip and, and see if this is a player who can find a home. We know he's a flawed guy or he wouldn't have fallen out of favor in Vancouver. But we also know, you know, you don't need too many fingers and toes to count how many guys in the league can score uh, 39 goals, right? Yeah. As he did a season ago. So there's obviously something there. It's not a huge commitment. And I like that for Calgary. And also because as we know with the Flames, because they are in this, sort of bizarre situation where on one hand the team is is you know taking a step back and is in some kind of retool but on the other hand we know there's very little appetite or ability to to raise it to the ground because you have guys on monster contracts that aren't going anywhere you've kind of you know you're you're not truly rebuilding here so you're interested in targeting some players who are uh, a little younger who maybe have fallen out of favor for one reason or another in their former spot and who might be able to, to get a new um, lease on, on NHL life in a new destination. Obviously the fact that to make a way to go to Calgary tells you that the player after talking to the team believes there's uh, a good opportunity for him. And the fact that it looks like he's going to start on the first line mm-hmm. speaks to that as well. So I do, I, I really like it for Calgary given where the team is and, uh, I think, you know, so far, Craig Conroy, it looks like it's, it's very quietly done pretty well in his first couple of, of major transactions going back to um, back to the spring. Yeah, this is the third deal he's made. He had the Sharon Govich trade and then obviously the the, uh, the Zadorov deal to Vancouver earlier on in the year. 
Uh, it feels like like Conroy, he's starting to get what he wants to do here, and whether that's you know like we'll, we'll move, we'll see what happens with Chris Tanev and and Noah Hannafin down the line here. I, I wonder about Jacob Markstrom. Like if they do decide to, let's say the the deal comes through in New Jersey, for example, thinks hey Markstrom's the guy that can get us to the playoffs, and we still have some time with him uh, to let our younger guys grow and whatnot. Do you think like could that? Obviously, like you, we start, we talk a lot like retool and whatnot because you're not trading. You just traded your number one center. You traded your goalie now. Like how much is that you're stepping into rebuild category? You think? Yeah, I mean it's a little different with Wolf in the fold, and you know at some point this is a player who is going to need a long look at, at the NHL level and someone who for a couple of years has been tabbed as someone who could be a very good goalie at the next level. Not that you'd expect him to immediately step in and do that, but. You know, in some way, uh, he is, as long as Markstrom is there and, and playing the way he's been playing this year, he is a little bit blocked. I mean, you're right. You're trading your number one center. Um, and, and, and obviously, the difference with Markstrom is he's got years left on the contract, so that signals something a little different, whereas mm-hmm. previously with Foley, with Lindholm, with Tanev, with Hannafin, if those guys go, you know, there's an obvious pressure point here. Their contracts are up, and they can leave for nothing in a matter of months. So you were sort of forced into a decision, whereas – you know, if you're saying, look, we're, we're going to trade this guy who's having a very good season at the most important position. Yeah, I think that signals something else. But it, it certainly sounds like that, you know, that situation is being treated very tentatively. And, you know, based on everything um, floating around, it sure seems like they're not actively trying to shop Markstrom. I mm-hmm. think it would have to be a case where someone came to them and said, you know, here's an offer that you, you just can't ignore before exactly. they would even go to the player with it, um, which could happen. I mean, you know, there are teams that probably still feel like they are just a goalie away, and it is a unique situation where, you know, from Carolina to L.A. to the, the Devils, um, even the Leafs at times, mm-hmm. uh, all teams that legitimately or not, I think, believed or at least before the season thought, they could be Stanley Cup final teams. They could be final four teams mm-hmm. that at different times have not got the goaltending they were after. You know, is there a strong push on that end to say we've just got to do this? So I think, again, the Markstrom thing would have to be initiated hard from another team. Um, but if it ever did happen, you're right. You know, you're sort of looking at it um, from a different perspective in Calgary now where, you you know, you're trading some – some foundational pieces, but um, I, I don't know. I guess just again because of this mix of young and old on the team and guys like you know Huberto and Kadri who have years and years to go, it's not going to be a nice, clean, obvious um, blueprint. Maybe you know it's going to have mm-hmm. to be one that you're kind of mixing and matching a little bit. But at the same time, as long as you're adding young assets, you're adding those picks. If you're hitting on those picks, if you're trading for guys like Sharon Govichur you know, under 25 and, um, and they turn into players, you know, it, 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 it's still the kind of situation where you can integrate new guys, new blood mm-hmm. into the team that can have an impact, you know, without waiting four or five years kind of thing. Uh, a day later, well, the next day, I guess, right after the, uh, the Lindholm to Vancouver trade, the Winnipeg Jets uh, got involved in the, uh, I guess, the second uh, center available on the market with Sean Monaghan, uh, heading from Montreal to Winnipeg. Feels like a guy that's just he's going to fit well into the bonus system. Looks like he's going to be uh, centering Cole Perfetti and Nick Ehlers uh, and getting some power play one time. Just your perspective. We'll get Montreal's side of it here in a second. But on the outset, what do you like from uh, what Winnipeg's getting in Sean Monaghan here? A guy who's who's been through hell the last couple seasons. Uh, I, 
you use the word seamless. I mean, having Monahan, you guys watched him for years closer oh, yeah. in Calgary. You know, I saw him a lot more now that he was in the East. I, honestly, I always thought Sean Monahan, even before the injuries from afar, like my perception of him was, I don't say one trick pony, but I was like, well, he's got a, he's a guy who could bury 25 to 30, but I, his overall game was a revelation to me. I had no idea. He was just such a trustworthy player in all mm-hmm. three zones. He's just a sturdy, sturdy player. And I think if, you know, his injury troubles last year were unrelated to the, the hip injuries that obviously plagued him for years in Calgary, you know, he closed the book on that hip stuff. It, it was, it was a, a foot injury that turned into a groin injury last year. And while it was still bad luck, I don't think it's necessarily an indication that this player just can't stay on the yeah. ice. And if anything, he probably gave those hips longer to, to <laughs> feel great. So again, just as I said with Vancouver, you know, some people were debating, well, should you give up a, a first for, for Monaghan who, you know, could be a pure rental who, you know, somewhat argues maybe a low end two C at this point. I, I just like that Winnipeg looked at it and said, he's a perfect fit for us. This is a player that, you know, Lindholm is gone. This is a player we want. We are, uh, we're willing to pay the fare. And I, I just, I look at it and think it's one of those things where things just fall into place so well for the Jets with him slotted in as the two, you know, Lowry now is a great three C um, you know, Monaghan is a, getting in with, with Winnipeg. He's got good size. Mm-hmm. I just think he's the kind of guy who's going to go there and it's just going to seem like he's been there for years. It kind of reminded me a little bit of when they traded for Paul Stastny yeah. and wound up going to the, the final four in 2018. And in the playoffs in particular, Stastny was really good for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a great fit for the Jets. And I like that they went out and got ahead of it and said, here's our guy. We're getting him a month ahead of the deadline mm-hmm. and giving him that much longer to get used to our team and um, and used to everything we're doing, which has obviously been working great. I, I kind of wondered that because like, like it's with same with, with Vancouver getting the the guy in essentially you get an extra month of this player and like I the NBA has their trade deadline the seasons of both the NBA and the NHL and around the same time the NBA has their trade deadline this week. Do you think that the NHL would would benefit maybe from moving up? the trade deadline from, from late March to maybe a, an early February after the all-star break type thing? I mean, I will say, like, I certainly think there's a case to be made for the team to conduct their business. And at, just off the top of my head, it does feel like in recent years, the transactions have been moving up. Like, yeah. you know, to fully back to, yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. And, and even like, um, it feels like, you know, let's just say for the sake of argument, you've always got a non COVID-impacted, <laughs> yeah. wackadoo seasons. You've got an early March deadline. It feels like those deals are creeping, starting to really pop up. Like, you know, obviously we saw the Horvat deal right before the All-Star game mm-hmm. last year. Do you think teams are, feels like getting a little ahead of it a little more than in the past? I will say from a league perspective, it does keep people talking about your league for longer because the trade deadline hasn't happened yet. Then the deadline hits. And you just kind of got a month mm-hmm. where, you know, it's, Obviously, you've got playoff chases, but if there's not a lot of those, it is kind of the dead period, right, from the from March 8th till about April 10th when the playoffs start, with the exception of maybe you've got a couple wildcard battles. So yeah. it does keep you sort of in the headlines to have the that trade deadline push closer to the end of the season. But if I'm a GM and I know what I've got on my team and I feel like I have a, a sense of what's out there, I definitely think, you know, everyone should take a, a page out of the Jim Rutherford book and say, Let's just do this and, and get this player in our squad. And 
integrated into our team and our systems and and we'll be better off for it two months from now yeah and i, and I think what will help lindholm and monahan both is they're not they're going to canadian markets they know what they're getting themselves into like monahan's never no left canada so right. like this i think going to a canadian market who both are are hungry for some uh, for Stanley Cup success uh, it should benefit both players. Uh, we're talking with Ryan Dixon, uh, senior columnist over at Sportsnet.ca. The Edmonton Oilers uh, attempt to tie an NHL record tonight with their 17th consecutive win. Uh, it would tie the 91-92 Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, or sorry, the 92-93 Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, now, it, this is obviously a great win streak, and the Oilers have been playing like lights out since they they got rid of Jay Woodcroft. But is there any sort of like kind of with this win streak that they've really only beaten four playoff teams during it. Like, is there any sort of like thing you can take with that? Or is it like, Hey, they're a, they're a monster right now. And they're about to win. They're attempting to win a 17th straight game. If they can go into Vegas tonight. Well, I mean, I think you could factor that in uh, a, a little bit for sure. I mean, anytime you're on a 16 game winning streak, things have been going well, you, you've been getting, <laughs> it's impressive. You, you, you don't get that far without getting some bounces. No question. Um, but, you know, obviously uh, things have changed dramatically. Uh, I, I think in terms of, you know, the Oilers tightening up and also obviously getting more saves from Stuart Skinner than they were in the beginning of the year. I mean, I forget exactly where they're at now, but it's not only the 16-game winning streak, but I think they're at, I think they won eight in a row, then lost three, then won 16. So, like, they're, you know... They, they them and the Canucks like have the same record, I believe, over the last 30 games or something very similar. Yeah, they're about 25 of 28 or something yeah. like that. So, I mean, we also know this is a team that will ultimately be judged by how it does in the playoff. And if it, I mean, I don't want to say anything less than the Stanley Cup, but at this point, anything yeah. less than at the very least getting to the final slash, you know, okay, I guess if they lose an, an overtime Western Conference final game seven, then they've acquitted themselves well. But you also know that's not going to satisfy the big guys on that team or, or anyone in that market ultimately. So that. You know that will still be um, that will tell the ultimate tale of this squad, but um, certainly no shortages of great stories there. I mean, you look at what what Evan Bouchard. I mean, he was a forty point defenseman who had a great playoff, but now is basically operating in that like point per game range. And Zach Hyman, I mean, third year there now and just keeps exploding through the ceiling of what. You know, he had good, really good years his first two years there. And now all of a sudden, he's just going to this level where it's like, well, this guy could get 50 goals. Yeah. So um, just a, an unbelievable success story there. Um, we'll see. It's fun. I mean, that I, I was doing some streak stuff and looking back at the old uh, the the teams that had previously put together long streaks. And, of course, only one of the ones. I think I did it when Edmonton was at 13 or 14. So it was teams that had more than that. And only one actually won the Stanley Cup. It was the 82 Islanders, and even they almost lost in the first round. Wow. That 92-93 Penguins team was absolutely wild and went, uh, I forget how long, uh, it wasn't just the win streak, it was back when they had ties. So I feel like if you included some playoff games, it was like 23 without, uh, without yeah. a loss, but then lost in the second round. So, you know, it, it certainly doesn't guarantee you anything, but it, it does make, February more fun when you have a team chasing a record like that. And, and the funny thing with uh, looking at that Penguin streak was when they won those 17 games in a row, they all came in the final 18 games of the season. They tied their final game of the year. I don't know where they, right. they, I don't know where they were before they went on that win streak, but they, they weren't like a, a solidified playoff team before going on that crazy win streak. So it, that was, that was kind of cool looking back on that was they were trying to attempt uh, a third straight Stanley cup at that point. Uh, 
Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, Simone Benoit. This guy, like this guy, just like why do these sound like, like why do Leaf fans gravitate towards players like that? Like when when you've got oh well it's it's Mitch Marner's fault or it's William Nylander's fault, but they just love the Simone Benoit type player. Do you have a, a, a feel why Leaf fans attach themselves to that? Yeah, it's funny because it's it's the underdog type, right? And yeah. Toronto is the antithesis of the underdog city exactly. in Canada. They're the overdog <laughs> all the time. So, yeah, you would think it, it would be Winnipeg or Ottawa. That would be like, God, we just love our fourth liners. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what it is. It's either you're a whipping boy on defense, a la the Ackenbergs and, and Larry Murphy. Yep. Uh, and who am I forgetting? Maybe Corey. Uh, uh, I'm forgetting one, I feel like, of the cl- on, the, on the Mount Rushmore of the last 20 years. But um, Corey Croft. Um, you know what? He he's certainly a success story. Um, the, the least defense too, I guess. Part of it is that they've been so desperate for help that you know we'll take anyone anybody. who comes in and shows <laughs> shows something that like like Benoit has and, and gives that honest effort, uh, it's going to be appreciated by uh, by the fans. And you know, obviously, it's you can draw a pretty straight line between what we're talking about here and that kind of player and, and the, the team you guys watch close. I mean, we know the Leafs, I think, would love to get their hands on Tanev. We'll see if it happens. Um, maybe not having a second-round pick for a few years just um, takes that possibility off the table. I, I don't know, but um, it's, I mean, it's been a, a really strange season in Toronto in that they've had, you know, the the crease issues and Samson off looks like he can't be in the league. Now he looks like he's back to being uh, at, at least a one a, you almost forget how good wall was before he got hurt, but mm-hmm. he, you know, he's nowhere near coming back as they said. And they're on one hand, it seems like something's just off and you know, they're in the wild card spot, but at the same time, like you could make a case that through some of the injuries they've had, they've done well to, to keep their head above water. And also Matthews might get 70 goals. So exactly. it's been a strange season. And, um, you know, it, it feels like certainly with this, you know, the, the, the Matthews, Marner, Riley, Nylander version of the Leafs we've been watching for somehow nearly a decade now, you know, a, a lot of it has come down to trying to beef up that blue line and they just haven't hit on the, the right mix yet. And it seems like most trade deadlines, we're talking, you know, certainly some element of, of grit on the forward lines, but also it seems to be they're perpetually in search of some kind of blue line help in this year, maybe more than ever with the whiff on the Klingberg signing. And, you know, Tanev, I, I do think fits the bill, but it's just going to be a matter of whether, um, you know, assuming he does go, whether the Leafs can, can offer the most and whether they are willing to step up mm-hmm. this season as there is also that chatter that the Leafs themselves are looking at this going, it just might not be our year. Maybe this is, you know, maybe, maybe we hold back uh, a year on, on, you know, pushing the chips all the way in. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see how things work out there. Uh, a few more with you, Ryan. Uh, you and the, your latest piece over at Sportsnet.ca, kind of your takeaways from uh, All Star Weekend, and I heard it on uh, Jeff Merrick yesterday, and he just uh, talked. He talked about how it's it, this weekend was like hockey took back the All Star game from the marketing and the sponsorship that. You know, we get it what Vegas was all fun and Florida with the beaches and all that. But this was kind of like this was get back to the roots of what the actual game is. Do you, like what was the, the best part you think of the weekend uh, over in Toronto I, there? For, for me, like I, uh, I wasn't there Friday, but I was um, last year I was in Florida and I was watching the skills competition and thinking about how for a long time, if you were just going to watch the skills comp or the, the game slash the games now, I guess, 
you would have picked the skills comp for a long time. And last year I was just watching this thinking, this is just, it's pretty excruciating. It's so bloated. They're piping in stuff from that was previously taped. Like it just wasn't working. Like even Sidney Crosby afterwards, you know, who, who usually goes out of his way not to be, you know, to be the good soldier for the league and, uh, you know, sort of, you can usually count on 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 Sidney Crosby to to give a pretty diplomatic answer, and he was kind of shaking his head, even being like, "I think we got to do something here." You know, this <laughs> just feels not quite right. And and they did do something, and Connor McDavid helped do something, and just streamlining that and getting it back to a far more watchable event, I think, was was big. And I mean, honestly, I actually don't mind the three on three game. Like, I do think they've hit on the right formula there for the actual games mm-hmm. themselves. Um, Cause even if you just get a couple of moments where it's close and someone gets a breakaway and they're, you know, at least on a breakaway trying as hard as they can to score. Like I, I, I felt like the games, uh, they're as good as one can reasonably expect. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was a good vibe all along. It's good to see the skills comp rolling and obviously having uh, the professional women's league so heavily involved, yeah. I think it's great. And I was thinking too, like, so now we've got all this international hockey going. I don't even know how, what, like, is the next all-star game we're going to see 2027 if yeah. we've got a, a four-team cup, whatever we're calling it, face-off next year. Then we've got Olympics 26. I wonder if there's a way to make, uh, to blow out uh, a women's hockey, the, the PWHL uh, an all-star weekend that maybe the NHL is partially involved in or something because we're not going to have all-star yeah, games to bring the them in February as well. So yeah, yeah it, it, I mean, it, it was, it's obviously a great fit and lots of people showed up for that three on three showcase. And um, yeah, we'll all, I'll be curious to see if, if something comes about with that in the, the next couple of years, but that just added another flavor, another layer to it this year that I think was great. Yeah, it was a super busy, newsworthy week uh, around the world of hockey, and I we'll we'll end it here with the the with four nations and and the Olympics. I'm I'm sure you've had a chance to to write down your team on on a napkin like the rest of us. I you know what that's my task this week is I think okay. I've got Finland and the U.S. I got to okay. do the Finnish and U.S. Oh, roster. that U.S. roster. Ooh. It's gonna be pretty good. <laughs> Ryan, thank you so much for taking some time and uh, chatting some NHL, some Canada hockey around Canada with me. We'll do this again uh, pretty soon. Well, you got to pick in the Super Bowl. Uh, you know what? I guess I'm gonna fall on that. Like I can't quite. I just can't pick against Mahomes. Um, and the, the San Fran defense has looked a little suspect, obviously, mm-hmm. in the last couple of weeks. So, I, I, you know, when it comes right down to it, it would be hard to put your nickel on someone other than Mahomes. Yeah, I can't bet against him. Third time he's an underdog in these postseason. Yeah, so yeah, I'm, I'm thinking the Chiefs as well. Ryan, thanks so much, buddy. Uh, we'll do this again very soon. Okay, my pleasure.